0: My name's Jay Shrigling, and I'm the host. We got the final episode here of this weekend. Another great another great weekend in the books of this Arkansas Stick series we got going on. Week three, bunch of weeks coming ahead. Got four or five more weeks going with this Arkansas Stick series. But just some great content so far, not only this weekend, but these past couple weekends as well. Um, so expect the same great content today. We got Dame sophomore catcher Joey Spence on the podcast. Got the experience at College World Series a little bit last year. Now he's in some competition for the some key innings, um, some key playing time behind the plate. Um, so really excited digging that, digging to that, dig into that today. Um, but today we kind of just discussed his college World Series stories, what was going on during the parade, during the games, what it felt like beating Tennessee that everyone talked about, Notre Dame's first College World Series experience in a little while. Uh, dig into the Arkansas sticks and his relationship with Coach Brewster. Dig into just a, his thought process was as the Notre Dame head coach went on to a different school and they brought in a new coach, just Coach Stifler, here this past summer. Um, so kind of dig into his high school, college, travel ball. I'm um, digging into his entire career so far. So I really enjoyed it. Another great con- more great content, in my opinion. Hope you guys enjoy it as well. So let's dig into it. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have former Arkansas Stick, another 2021 Arizona Diamondback, MLB draft pick, incoming Notre Dame sophomore catcher. We got Joey Spence on the podcast joey super pumped to get you on the show man how are you doing today
1: i'm good man i'm sitting out by the fire right now with one of my buddies but I'm super excited to to help you out and do whatever you need
0: awesome always a good night up in northern indiana to be by the fire i'm actually from like 25 minutes away from notre dame so um okay really always always good weather up there i'm from lagrange county so i think that's like two counties over okay. But yeah. Um, so before we dig into the whole interview, I do have one question I kind of like to ask everybody that gets on the podcast, and that is: for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Joey Spence?
1: Um. Well, I would like to say that you know I'm much more than just like you know a baseball player that kind of just puts himself out there. But um, I graduated from West Bend East High School in Wisconsin. Um. Obviously, I'm here now at Notre Dame. Uh, much more than like past baseball. I mean, it's it's hard to really give an explanation of myself because that's what I do with my whole life. But um, yeah, what are you what are you really looking for in that 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 answer?
0: Um, really, I mean, just like just dig it into yourself more like maybe like some of your passions that you have or something that motivates yeah. you. I know some people they'll dig into maybe some family stuff or they'll dig into mm-hmm. maybe that like some guy talked about how he plays the guitar also besides playing baseball. So
1: Ooh. really are really, something that I would like to learn. But I'm not very good at. And that takes a long, long time to yeah. get good at. Um, no, I like to hunt. I like to fish um, when I'm back home. Me and my girlfriend go fishing probably every other day. Um, this summer, I was in the Northwoods with the Lakeshore Chinooks. So it was nice to be at home and play a game, same time every day, then go fish in the afternoon. I mean, yeah. that's kind of what my summer looked like. Um, I like doing what I'm doing right now, which is sitting out by the fire and just kind of talking.
0: Yeah. So when when you are hunting up there in Wisconsin, like what are, what are some different, what are some things that you're hunting for? Because I know in the Midwest, like I said, I'm from Indiana, like we go for like deer, coyote, um yep. so what is it normal is it kind of the same thing up there in wisconsin or is there other animals yeah
1: there? yeah most mostly whitetail yeah and then probably in the next couple of years i get more into duck hunting up there um our property just got turned into really good duck hunting property so i'm excited about that to get up there hopefully over fall break and work the land a little bit and build some duck lines and go shoot some ducks
0: so when you say just got turned into good duck hunting land, like, what do you mean by that? Like, is, did you move or oh, is
1: there? It's an interesting story. So our land, which has been in the family for past 20 or 30 years is a marsh that runs right through it. And one of the rivers, like in uh, in Eagle river kind of cuts across property and beavers dammed it up. So now the whole land is like flooded with water. So it's harder for us to get to like our deer stands and stuff, but there's a million ducks everywhere.
0: So is, is that, is, so obviously with a million ducks everywhere, is that a good or a bad thing in your mind? Like, do, would you be rather be hunting deer or would you rather be hunting birds?
1: Well, we can still hunt deer. It's just going to be kind of a pain in the ass to get to our stands and walk through all the sludge yeah. in the marsh. But I haven't really been into duck hunting much in my life, but I, I would like to get into it. So I think it's a good and bad thing.
0: So what, what type of farmland is, is a lot of crap or is it like more like pet? Pro, uh,
1: um, more, it's, like it, yeah, it's, more it's, it's pretty heavily wooded. There's a big uh, like field that kind of runs through it, Um, but it's mostly just kind of thick trees and little clearings that like.
0: So have you been able, so being up there in Northern Indiana, I mean, there's a lot of other There's a lot of hunting and fishing uh, opportunities there. Like, have you gotten the chance to do that up there in South Bend?
1: Uh, Yeah, we actually, me and my buddies and my teammates, we we hunt or I mean, we fish on the lake on campus. And then there's a river um, that kind of runs through South Bend that we go to a lot and just kind of go bass fishing and hopefully we can get into some fishing up here. I don't know how it is up here, but.
0: I, I feel, I feel like catfishing is all right up there. Like I know, I I don't personally fish too much, but I know some of my buddies have talked about it before going catfishing.
1: Yeah. We want to, we want to figure that out um, this season, this off season. So we want to find a day to like grill up some catfish or something.
0: <laughs> yeah. But besides doing that, what are some other, so what are some other things you've enjoyed doing in South Bend so far in your maybe year, year and a half you've been there?
1: Um. Well, it's tough when the weather gets cold because there's not much you can do, besides kind of just play baseball and go to school. Um, but yeah, I think just trying to spend some time outside, um, sitting by the fires, um, just going over to my buddy's houses, hanging out, anything that you can do to like get yourself away from the field for a couple hours each day, I think is I think is really good.
0: Yeah. So what are the what are those Notre Dame football games like? I know. Oh,
1: they're, they're crazy. Really
0: Nation nationwide known. So what what are, what are those game days? Yeah.
1: I mean, the tailgates are awesome. It's unlike, like, anything else. Um, So growing up in Wisconsin, I went to a lot of Brewer games, so I kind of knew what, like, big tailgating was like, what a lot of people haven't experienced, you know, a parking lot full of thousands of cars. Um, It's good. Our baseball team has their own tailgate, so everyone just kind of stops by. We all have a good time. And then uh, going to the game, and after the game, usually we all find a spot to hang out at.
0: Yeah. Those those Notre Dame tailgates are pretty awesome. I mean, I was a Cubs fan growing up, so obviously, I mean, in my opinion, Wrigley Field's a little bit better than Miller Park, maybe. Yeah. But uh, and at Wrigley, you don't really get that chance to tailgate because it's no like really parking lots. It's all just uh, bars and stuff like that around the around Wrigley. Yeah. But
1: yeah, um, yeah, it's a lot different than like the uh, like the city vibe that most teams get. Yeah.
0: So let's let's dig into the baseball side of things. Um, so let's get into your recruiting process. Kind of what ended you up at Notre Dame. Uh, So when did that recruiting process kind of get started for you? When did you start getting noticed by um, some of those Power 5 ACC schools?
1: I would say for me, it really picked up like my sophomore year. Um, It was like little – my coach was talking to like smaller schools my freshman year, and then it slowly started to build up um, the more I started to develop. and I think I – I believe I committed my – like end of my sophomore year to Notre Dame. And for me, Notre Dame was like a clear choice because it's the best of both worlds. Like you're gonna play in the ACC, you're gonna be playing good competition every weekend, you're gonna be surrounded by some of the best athletes in the country, and you're gonna have one of the best academic programs in the country.
0: Yeah. So best academic program, I, obviously Notre Dame's pretty good. So what what is your major that you plan that you're uh, studying?
1: So I just switched majors this year, um, this incoming year, to American Studies with a minor in Sports Media and Culture. So hopefully uh, that's a little bit of a lighter load than last year. The business program is very difficult here, Um, and it's very difficult on athletes just because of the time requirements that you have to put into it. But yeah, it's been good so far. I enjoy all my classes. Um, Next semester, I'll be taking some very interesting classes. Um, like I'm taking a boxing in America course, uh, baseball in Japan. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Yeah.
0: So let's say, let's say 15, 20 years down the road, baseball's come to an end. Like, are you planning on using that major in any certain way? Like, do you have any plans post career, post baseball career at all?
1: Um, when I'm done playing, I hope to stay in the game, whether that's, whether that's coaching or um, working for some, you know, LB organization or kind of just opening up like my little hitting place. That's always been a dream of mine. Um, getting to work with kids swings. Cause that's something that I'm really passionate about. Um, but yeah, I, I hope to stay around the game.
0: Yeah, and the obviously the experience you go to Notre Dame, you've already been drafted, so I mean, there's a solid chance that you'll be drafted here once again. So I mean, the experience that you're getting, actually hands-on um, within within great organizations, I mean, that's going to go ten times farther than your degree you're getting right. at, at Notre Dame. Yeah, that um, was
1: that was probably the biggest factor that kind of led me to come to Notre Dame instead of signing. It was just because of the experience that I'll get here. Like, I think. Uh, Skill-wise, I was probably ready um, to go into the professional ball, but kind of just learning how to slow the game down and learning how to develop your craft and the little things that people don't always see, um, I think that's where college is is really beneficial for people who are deciding between, like, the draft and college. Mm
0: -hmm. So digging back into that recruiting process, so when that process did start, who were some of those uh, initial teams that were kind of reaching out? And what were some of those initial conversations like with coaches? Like, well, how are you going about it? How are you asking? What questions were uh, you asking coaches? What questions were coaches asking you in um, um, that whole process?
1: Yeah, so I some of my biggest schools that I were talking to was Notre Dame, obviously, Oregon State, Tennessee, and uh, West Virginia. And it was really like, I was so young that it was very limited contact. Like all of the, all of the like, Talking had to be done through my coaches. Um, so they kind of just tell me like, hey, like this coach is asking about you. They want you to come down to a camp, see what you got. They're going to be coming to this tournament, this tournament, this tournament. And yeah, that, that was basically it until I kind of, you know, decided where I want to go and came on some some visits and did some camps. Um, but as soon as I came here, I knew this is what I wanted to do.
0: Yeah. So I know you said being a part of being a part of a great academic organization, as well as playing with some great competition were two key, key things that you were looking for. Uh, but as you were going through the process, what were some other things that were just going through your mind that you wanted to make sure whatever whatever team, you whatever college you went on had some, whatever certain uh, details they had about the the organization as a whole?
1: Yeah, I think uh, the biggest thing for me was looking at the competition that they were playing. So I was trying to decide, um, you know, what where am I going to fit in in an ACC program or an SEC program or a Big 12 program? And I think that you know that the ACC just kind of gave me the best chance of facing good pitching and being around you know some of the best guys in the country. I mean, I I think that this is one of the best, if not the best, with exception to SEC, the best conference in college baseball. Yeah,
0: I mean, I, I mean, I think D one baseball just announced like their top hundred uh, base, uh, college baseball programs in the nation, and I think obviously SEC was like one, two, three with Arkansas, Vandy, Tennessee. Yeah, but I mean the yep. ACC. I mean, I think top fifteen had probably three or four different schools. I mean, oh, like, yeah. ACC, definitely probably number two. I'd say Big Ten, maybe number three. I mean, me being an IU student, I kind of have to say that. But
1: yeah, um,
0: when you went oh, – to- it was, it was, Go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just, I was just uh, about I, to go ahead.
1: It was cool to see last year um, um, just kind of – it's 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 a lot different from watching it <clears throat> on the TV, which I had done growing up. It's um, the level of baseball that's going on in college right now is – probably more exciting than most of the MLB seasons.
0: And do, do you think that's because the Major Major League Baseball reduced their dra- uh, uh, draft rounds to 20 rounds instead of 40, so there's more kids going to college every year?
1: I don't know if it's that. I think, uh, I think college has more of a kind of just excitement to it in sort of ways where there's more flair, there's more um, – like everyone has their favorite college team growing up. And going to a college game, either a football game or like a super regional, it's just the fan base surrounding it is really exciting and really high energy.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned obviously the super regional, uh, Notre Dame made it to the College World Series last year for the first time, and I believe and it was quite a few years. Uh, so let's let's dig into your freshman year, what that whole thing was like from your side of things. Um, As a freshman, you didn't get to play like a whole lot, weren't on the field every game, but you still got some decent playing time as a freshman. So let's dig into it. Kind of take us through just, I guess, from the beginning of the season to the end, what that whole experience was like.
1: Yeah, I mean, last year was was a big year for me in my development. Um, Not as much on the playing side, but, you know, I was lucky to be surrounded by a group of fifth year seniors and seniors that have played a lot of college baseball. And just trying to pick their brains every day and just watch all the little things that they do um, to prepare themselves for games in the off season, and even during the season and just kind of how they they can work as a team to to win. And that was the biggest thing for me because I didn't have the biggest role in the team, but I made sure to pay attention to those little details and kind of just make sure I was doing the little things right. So then, but further down the road, I get those opportunities that I'll, I'll be able to do that. Yeah.
0: So as last as last January came around, when you said you're playing with a lot of fifth year seniors, like what was your mindset when it came to playing time? Like at that point, right when baseball season actually started and when practices were starting, like, did you think you had a good, solid chance to play every day? Or did you know that you were going to have to learn from the older guys as you start your uh, collegiate baseball career?
1: Yeah, I think last year, initially, I was a little naive in the fact that, you know, I felt like I was going to play every day. And I think a lot of freshmen walk into college programs and feel that way, but I kind of had to take a step back and think to myself, like, this is where I need to develop and get the most out of, you know, what I'm doing. So if I'm not playing, I'm not going to sit there and, you know, get angry about not playing or be selfish and caught up in the fact that I'm not playing. Um, So it was really just trying to take something new every day, um, even just by watching and being in the dugout and listening to the guys talk to each other and how they talk to each other, how they go about their business and just trying to take something every day.
0: So learning from all those upperclassmen, what were some of the key things that you learned from whatever the fifth-year seniors were? And then who were maybe some of the guys that kind of took you underneath your wing um, as they were kind of heading out of their college career?
1: Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I picked up on was kind of just the way they communicated with each other during the game. Um, One of our fifth years last year, Jared Miller, um, who's not playing now, but he had been at Notre Dame. He'd been starting for five years, I believe um david lamana who is a fifth year starter um the way they prepare themselves for games and even during the game like in between innings they're talking about all right what's this pitcher doing how's he working you what's his stuff look like and and just like the open line of communication during the game that i think a lot of teams don't really have um it goes a long way in, in trying to score runs and you know position a defense
0: yeah so this might be a loaded question just because your freshman season was so long But if you could pick out maybe two, three favorite memories that you had just from your freshman season, what do you think those would be?
1: Oh, top three. Well, I would say one definitely has to be being Tennessee to go to Omaha. That was just – I can't even explain how fun and exciting that was. Two would probably be – I think one of my favorite series was – probably NC state. That's where I got my first college start uh, on the first Friday game at NC state. Um, else? And then just being at Omaha, like even though we don't go very deep, um, just being able to be there and experience that, you know, as a freshman, I think was super special for me and a lot of my teammates. um, And a lot of the, you know, the underclassmen that, want to play at that level and we just got a little taste of what that's like and hopefully we can we can push further in these next couple of years
0: yeah so you mentioned the Tennessee game so kind of take us through a big big part of Notre Dame history when it comes to baseball but take it take us through from your eyes where did you see that last inning at like where were you seeing what were you thinking uh, just kind of take us through from your side of things of that last inning or so against Tennessee
1: yeah so as soon as uh Jack Finley came in who had been our, our freshman closer um, he kind of developed as a closing uh, spot in the postseason. But as soon as he came in, I mean, this guy has like balls of steals. When the when the game gets tight, I mean, he steps up to the occasion. And he just has probably one of the best composure I've ever seen out of a freshman, even an upperclassman. Um, it was in the last inning, I think, there was either a swing and a little like dribbler back to the mound or someone bunted. And there was one out. And he, like, fumbles the ball and doesn't get a throw off. And the whole stand, like, the whole stadium's going nuts, screaming at him. You know, they're chanting our pitcher's name, our pitcher's mom's names. They're, I mean, their fans are ruthless. But he just, like, laughs it off. And I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, how are you, like, this composed right now? Like, you've got, you know, I don't even Danny, how many people were in that stand? Those stand? There are 5,000 people in those stands hoping that kid, you know, messes up. And he's just sitting there shrugging his shoulders laughing off. And he gets a big strikeout and then the big roundout, turn a double play, and that was it.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned it earlier, kind of like talking about the difference between SEC, ACC, and the other conferences. Like when you did play teams like Tennessee from the SEC, could you see a difference on the on a competitive level? Or was it on the field, what did it kind of feel like the same of playing some of those ACC schools as well?
1: Yeah, I think for the most part it was, it was fairly similar. I think there was a lot more talent on that field than we play in the ACC. Um, like even just sitting there watching BP, just the raw talent, and the raw strength of all these guys, you know, everybody's three or four feet taller than us, you know, you're sitting there watching BP and, you know, usually you're watching BP like, oh, who's going to hit one out? And at Tennessee it was like, who's not going to hit one out? Like who's not going to go deep in this round of BP? But no, I I would say that um, maybe some of the talent levels better, but I would say that ACC baseball and Notre Dame baseball just kind of plays the game more complete. Yeah.
0: So take it, take us through when you guys did get to Omaha. Cause I know like when everyone gets there, like there's some sort of parade, isn't there? Where everyone's yep. going out, like everyone, you get to see how the teams, uh, what was that like for you and some of the other things that happened in Omaha?
1: So our, our welcoming parade, yeah, parade or uh, I don't know what most people call it. Is it a parade? Is that I, I,
0: I mean, I don't really know. I mean, I just, it looks like a parade. So that's what yeah. I call it.
1: So we, we started, I think, at the Creighton soccer facility. And there was a big dinner with all the teams, which is really cool to see because um, one of the guys that I had met when I had gone down to OSU, when I was a freshman was actually the starting catcher for Texas A&M. So it was cool because he was at OSU at the time and I was a freshman in high school and he was a freshman in college. You know, I was like looking up to this guy. I was like, wow, like this is where I want to be. And then all of a sudden, like I'm I'm in the college world series with him. So that was really cool. So I met some of those guys, got to hang out with the team. Uh, Then when we walked over to the stadium, it started raining. And as soon as they brought us all, all the teams out on the field and we were going to do like, you know, pouring the dirt on the mound and that whole ceremony, thunder, lightning, we're all, we all get sent inside. And it was, we were sharing a room with Arkansas, right? Stanford, it was either Stanford or Arkansas. We were sharing a room with, And it was funny, we had like Hangman going on the whiteboard and stuff during the delay, and then it wound up getting canceled, but no, that was a cool night.
0: Yeah, so during the delay, did you get the chance to sit next to some guys on Arkansas, or was it mostly you were kind of fitting in with uh, your teammates in their name?
1: So Arkansas got in there first, and they, they kind of took the chairs, so we oh, all just wow. sat on the ground, but no, no, everyone was talking to each other, it was, good. it was a good time.
0: Yeah, did you get the chance to talk to, who were some Arkansas guys you got the chance to talk to potentially?
1: Um, I don't remember everybody by name exactly because I, I, I knew, I knew a guy who I played with, with Arkansas sticks that was on Arkansas, but I don't think he was there at the time. Um, <clears throat> I didn't really get too like personal to anybody. I kind of just said, I, we're all just kind of, you know, shooting shit. Yeah, of course.
0: So after, after that great season last year at the college world series, I mean, uh, coach, was it coach Jarrett? That was his name. Um, he had a great a great career at Notre Dame, but decided to move on to go to a different organization. Um, so when that, when it did come time for that coaching change, what was your mindset on things of, okay, like, obviously Notre Dame is a great program. They're going to get a great coach. Like, what was your mindset on things on when it was kind of like up in the air on who the next coach was going to be?
1: Yeah. I mean, I knew I was staying the whole time. Uh, I think our upperclassmen did a really good job at making sure that all of the key, um, you know, underclassmen and upperclassmen we're going to stay together. And I think that's the biggest thing through that change was that <clears throat> like our players, like our team as a whole stuck together. And, you know, we had guys that had, you know, a lot of, a lot of attention from other teams um, but everybody just kind of loves each other that much. And I just loves this university and wanted to stick together. And it didn't really matter, you know, who they brought in. We just knew that, you know, we had an unfinished goal and whoever they brought in is going to help us, help us get there.
0: So how would you compare Coach Stifler to Coach Jarrett um, when it just comes to maybe coaching philosophies, how they act around the players? How would you compare both those guys?
1: Um, it's a lot different. Uh, I love Coach Stifler. He's very high energy. All the coaches that he brought in, um, Coach Robbins, Coach Munger, um, very high energy. You know, they preach being able to play at a high pace, and um, that kind of fits right into my, my, my playing style. I've always been a high-energy player. Um, you know, trying to be the loudest one on the field, um, always talking. Um, yeah, he plays with he, – he wants to play with passion. I think that's something that um, we needed. I think that, uh, you know, that energy kind of drives um, championships.
0: Yeah. So, so far as you've gone through his fall ball compared to maybe last fall ball, like does he run practices a little different or for the most part are they mo- mainly the same?
1: Um, for the most part, I feel like they're probably the same. Um, I think he's getting the most out of us for sure. Um, they're working us really hard. um and it's tough with everyone's class schedule, <clears throat> and especially the the weather that we're about to hit here in the next couple of months um, having to go inside. But yeah, I, I, I love what he's doing and what the coaching staff is doing. and I think we're all buying into his stuff as a team and just trying to learn his program. and, and you know, you know he says it he he says something a lot, which I really respect is that first time I had met him over the phone, he had said you know this is this is your guy's program, it's not mine you know i'm here to I'm here to help you guys, um which you don't really hear out of coaches a lot um coaches telling their players that it's their program, not you know it's not the coach saying it's my program, and you're gonna do what i say it's you know this is your guy's program, I'm just a piece of the puzzle i I'm, I'm I'm here to help you guys,
0: yeah." So as you've gone through fall ball so far this year, like what does the average week look for you, look like for you guys? Um, just from a class standpoint to go into class, going to doing some extracurricular stuff, going to practice, what does that average week look like um, in fall ball?
1: Um, so today was our off day. So we didn't have anything baseball required today. <clears throat> tomorrow we'll have, so I had three classes this morning and then tomorrow I'll have two classes and then get done with class around 145. Get to the field at like 230 to go start early hitting, um, like the optional hitting. And then I believe we have two different groups going tomorrow because some guys have class I can't make it at, um, at 3 o'clock. So we kind of split it up into two groups. We'll do an hour, an hour and a half of skill work. And then we'll kind of do like a team defense, team offense. And then the back half of this, uh, the – Team will do their skill work, and then we'll all go left Okay, so I'll probably be at the field from like two thirty to seven ish. That's, I mean, that's that's
0: not too bad, especially from all, all, all the like the um, tiring schedules you you always hear. Just as like the, an outsider uh, from collegiate athletes, but um, let's transition a little bit to the two thousand twenty one MLB draft when you were selected, but did decide to go into Notre Dame. Um, so kind of just take us through what that spring was like, maybe talking to some scouts, talking to some front offices and what some of those conversations, like, were with teams.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. Um, You know, my kind of, like, draft was during the time of COVID, kind of. So, like, all the scouting. I didn't really get to meet in person with a lot of scouts, but I'd say I probably did, like, 10 or 15 Zoom calls with teams. Um, And then I would have some guys, you know, come into the facility in Wisconsin and, you know, watch me go through my BP rounds and kind of just my cage routine. and just watching me play like in the spring. Um, Yeah, that was a huge part. I mean, just, I think what what helped me a lot in the draft was being able to talk to these guys and just kind of show off a little bit of my maturity and how I go about my work. Um, Because I was fortunate enough to be surrounded with a lot of like professional athletes growing up. Um, Gavin Lux was, you know, one of my best buddies and, you know, kind of my workout group and just watching him and Owen Miller, AJ Vukovic, Um, Jared Kelnick was always in hitting um, all these guys, like just being able to grow up watching these guys, you know, kind of how about how they go about their business, um, how serious they take it. um, I think that was huge for me. And that kind of matured me more than most was just being able to see like, this is how it should look, you know, to be a, be a professional player.
0: So with all that Wisconsin talent that the the state's just been, dishing out the past couple of years guys who are a little bit older than you when you're around guys like Lux, Kalenic, a couple of other guys that you mentioned what are you doing to like maybe pick their brain just because I mean they are elite ball players who are a couple years older than you um, how are you picking their brain you mentioned there a little bit but kind of just digging into that a little bit more
1: yeah I mean each guy's different um, Gavin was super open to you know letting me work out with him let me hit with him um, and just kind of like you know a lot of guys, like a lot of like when I was a freshman, I was looking at these guys. You know, I was like, "Oh my gosh, like these are big leaguers!" Like, like I was so starstruck almost. And then once you get to talk to them, it's like they're just regular people that you know just have interesting jobs. Yeah. Um, and I think the biggest thing for me was kind of just sitting and watching and listening to the conversations that, like, let's say Jared would have between him and his hitting coach, and you know how structured his work was. You know, because a lot of people's idea of hard work is you know going to the cage and hitting for four hours. Well, these guys weren't spending more than you know thirty, forty-five minutes in the cage because they were so structured and they knew exactly what they needed to get done and what order they needed to do it in, and then they'd, they'd get in and get out. Yeah. And I think for a lot of baseball players, like sometimes more is less or less is more. Um, you know, for me, like going in the cage and swinging for three hours is is probably more hurtful for me beneficial just because you know after your initial 100 swings you start to get fatigued and you start going backwards actually so just being able to kind of point out in my own swing you know what I need to get better at and it's like all right I need to do this this and this um just kind of having things that I know I need to work on and not just trying to overdo it and just be really focused in my rounds yeah
0: so when you are let's say when you are in the off season and you're training focus on a couple different things like, how like how many swings are you taking in one training session? Like, are you limited to, like, 100, 150, doing a time limit uh, in the offseason? Like, what exactly are you training on?
1: Yeah, I think it depends on how my body feels on the day. But I'd say on average I'm probably taking about 100, 150. Um, I used to keep track, but then I kind of just got my bearings and I could kind of feel it out now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'd say about 100, 150.
0: Okay. So moving back into the draft, let's move it forward to where it's like maybe a week ahead of the draft. Like, what's your mindset here? Like, what are you thinking? Are you thinking you're getting selected? Or at this point, are you thinking Notre Dame is where you're going?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of 50-50 on both. <clears throat> um, I was kind of hoping that I would go, you know, within the five to 10 range, uh, which is what most teams were telling me. But I think You know, I think they tell a lot of a lot of guys, you know, you're in this slot and it doesn't actually wind up happening just because, you know, it's a business and you never know what's going to happen until it actually does. Um, So I wasn't really trying to set my expectations too high or too low. I was just kind of, you know, I was I was really comfortable in the fact that if I don't go where I want to go, you know, I can go to Notre Dame and develop and get a million times better. And if I do get picked early, you know, there we go. It's time to go. But I think. I think not signing was probably a really good thing for me just in my development and being able to learn the game better, being able to slow the game down and just kind of playing it the right way and becoming a more mature player.
0: Yeah. So I believe it was, you were drafted in, was it the 18th or 19th yep. round? 18th. 18th. Yep. Okay, yeah. I remember, I can't, I can't remember what exactly round it was, but like take us through like day one, day two, like were there any teams that were calling like be like, Oh, I think we're going to get you here in the next round or so. It just doesn't happen. And then kind yeah. of take us through, I guess no. Just start. We'll start with that. Just day one, day two.
1: So it was interesting because day one and day two, I wasn't really getting much. My advisor was getting a little bit of calls, um, just kind of asking, like teams were asking, you know, where my head was at, if I would still sign past certain round or for certain money. <clears throat> but my my kind of story was interesting in the fact that I did not, I didn't know that the D-backs were going to pick me, um, because I had I had talked to the White Sox. Um, and like the 15th and they had said, you know, like, Hey, like, are you ready to go? Like, like, do you want to sign for this much, this much? And I I was all for it. And so I'm sitting there and I'm waiting on the TV and the White Sox pick go by for the 16th, 17th. And then my advisor calls me. He's like, all right, this is the round. Like, they're going to take you this round and I'm waiting for the White Sox pick. And I think the D backs had like the fifth or sixth pick in that round. And it was boom off the board I didn't get a call or nothing I was just staring at the screen and they're like oh Joey Spence I'm like oh all right
0: so so after you got drafted by the Diamondbacks not really knowing, like how long was it before you were contacted by someone in that Diamondbacks front office
1: yeah it was kind of a slow transition it was I think it was like 30 (laughs) 30, 45 minutes before I talked yeah before I talked to one of one of the scouts um which was weird um yeah I think I think it was it, it was quite a bit if I remember
0: Okay. So after, after you do get selected, you talk to the front office, like how long does it take for you to decide on whether or not you're, you're not signing, you're going to Notre Dame. Um, You you don't have to go through the conversations obviously, but like how long did that take to get to where you decide you're going to Notre Dame?
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, it was a lot of talking over the phone with my coach at Notre Dame, my family, you know, the scouts and the the front office in Arizona. Uh, I think, Initially, I was trying to get more money from them, um, and then I kind of talked to my coach at Notre Dame, and they had kind of convinced me, like, you know, this is this is my best option, like, this is what's best for me, and I, I did believe that. And I think my parents were great in the fact that they kind of let let me decide what I wanted to do. You know, they were really pressuring me. They just they always told me, you know, like, whatever you decide, like, we're gonna support you, and you know, we're gonna back you up on it. But it was it was all decided in one night, pretty much. Okay. Uh, They had given me the option to try and wait until the signing deadline uh, to see if they could give me some more money, but that never really worked out. So I was just, I was happy in the fact that, you know, I I told my coaches that I was coming to Notre Dame. Yeah.
0: So at that point, I know a lot of freshmen kind of do like to go to campus early. So when you were going through that draft process, did you go to campus early or did you kind of do training with teams? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was, I was going to workouts every week. Um, just kind of bouncing around, trying trying to play in some sort of, like, tournaments. Um, I think I played a tournament with Arkansas Sticks in the middle there, but I was kind of just driving around, (coughs) doing small workouts with different teams and just getting to, you know, kind of show myself in front of them.
0: So since you did wait to that signing deadline, did you then go to Notre Dame or were you still on your own until that deadline hit?
1: No, I didn't wait to the signing deadline.
0: Oh, okay. I yeah. thought you were saying that you knew what the answer was, but you waited. Okay. Okay. That's
1: no. Yeah. I decided the night, the night I got picked that I was, that I was going to Notre Dame.
0: Okay. I thought, okay. What I heard, I thought you said that, but then you were waiting just to see if something else came up. Okay. Yeah. No,
1: so that was, that was an option that they gave me, but I it, it was best that, you know, I decided to come to school. Okay.
0: So you mentioned your advisor there a couple of times. So let's dig into that a little bit. Like I said, that's what I'm trying to be advisor slash agent. Once I do graduate here. Um, so let's dig into your whole advisor selection process. So when was it that advisors kind of started reaching out to you?
1: Um, for me, it was it was shortly after I committed. Um, I was playing with a team called the Midwest Prospects. And one of the kids on my team, um, <clears throat> his dad was, was an advisor. And so I just got to talk with him. And it wasn't really any serious talk. It was kind of just, you know, introducing myself and learning more about what he did because I was pretty interested in it um and at that time like the draft wasn't even in my mind and you know it was it was when I was super young in high school and I wasn't really you know thinking of the possibility of any of this but once things started to get more serious um <clears throat> he kind of helped me out in uh you know talking to teams with me and kind of just like you know giving me a lay of the land like this is how it's going to look um um this is like this is how it works um just kind of preparing me for like talking to teams, um, kind of just working out in front of teams. Uh, Yeah. And just making sure I was in a good position to, you know, kind of represent, you know, who I was.
0: Yeah. So at that process, were there other advisors that reached out or did you kind of know that your guy was your guy pretty much from the start? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I had advisors reach out, but I I was pretty, pretty set on my advisor. Um, (coughs) Kind of like a small, a smaller organization, you know, gives you like, you know, the family run vibes. Um, really great dude, really wants what's best for his guys. Um, it you know, all the guys that he has, it's it's really just like a small family. Um, it's so like my advisor um is with Micah Dallas with Texas AM, and he's currently with the athletics. And he was just in town playing with the South Bend Cubs, and we all uh, we all met up and I got to meet Micah and you know, he, you know, Micah said, if there's anything I can ever do, like reach out. So it's just like, you know, kind of broadening the spectrum and being able to meet new guys and hear from their experiences. And that's what I love about my advisor is that, you know, he kind of treats all of his guys like as as his own family.
0: Yeah. So let's let's take it like if you didn't know your advisor beforehand, like let's say who wasn't one of your teammates, dads, you build a good relationship with. If let's say advisors all kind of reach out around the same time, what would be maybe some key things that you would have been looking for? Um, if you had to decide between two, three, four different guys.
1: Yeah, I think for me, um, <clears throat> what I would want in an advisor is not only someone that's like looking out for your own self-interest, but is like someone that's going to tell it to you straight. Cause I know a lot of my buddies have advisors who, you know, kind of, kind of blow them up a little bit and say like, Hey, like you're going to go in the first round. And in reality, it's, it's not that. And when the draft comes around, they don't really hear from their advisors, um, but I think just having someone that is is going to tell you the truth and is going to tell you, you know, this is what's going on, this is where you're at, um, and just kind of treating you like like your own like your own family.
0: So let's dig in to the Arkansas Sticks, Coach Brewster. Obviously, he's the guy who's kind of helped me put this all together. So let's talk about how you got connected with the Sticks, what your connection is. Um, so when exactly did you get connected with the Arkansas Sticks?
1: Um, I think it was my end of my junior year when one of my buddies had uh, had been playing with him and said how he loved it so much. And Brewster had, had reached out to me um, and asked if I wanted to come join for a tournament or two. And right away I was kind of like, you know, this guy gets it. Like like he, he wants to bring in the best guys and, you know, he treats them right. And, you know, kind of just playing with a bunch of guys of that talent level and just kind of speeding up the pace of the game. That That's what helped me because um, when you're surrounded by, team of great players you know you're just gonna play up to it
0: so when when was that in your travel ball career that you did get connected with him
1: i think i talked to him my junior summer and then started playing with him my senior fall and spring and then one tournament in the summer i believe okay
0: so how would you how so obviously i mean that's like really like the end end of your travel ball career yeah so how would you compare your experience with the arkansas sticks how would you compare their organization to maybe some of the other organizations that you've played with in the past?
1: Um, I think that Brewster and Coach Kinney um, were really good in the fact that they were going to bring together the best players, and they were going to give it, give them the best opportunities to be seen, you know, in front of scouts um, and in front of college teams for guys who weren't committed. But, you know, everybody knew that you know our team had a crazy amount of talent. And it was kind of just their 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 job was to kind of bring us together and help us play as a team. So I think that that's that's the biggest part um, about baseball is that, you know, even in in college right now, like everybody here is the dude. You know, everybody's a dude from their hometown. Um, Everybody can do, you know, pretty much the same things. It's just how well you can execute it as a team and how well you can work together.
0: So how how would you explain – how would you describe your relationship with Coach Brewster and then Coach Dirk Kenny as well? Because, I mean, he's a pretty big part of that program as well.
1: Yeah. um, Coach Brewster and I, you know, we still stay in touch. I make sure to send him a text, you know, when his birthday comes around every year. Um, And, you know, during that that senior summer, we texted back and forth a lot because he has – you know, he has a lot of connections, um, you know, in the draft rooms and with colleges, and, you know, he's just – he's got a lot of status in the baseball world. Um, so it's, it's definitely a good guy to have in your corner, but, you know, I just respected him more for the way that he, he went about, you know, collecting his teams and um, kind of just bringing teams together and, you know, kind of treating them like his own family. Um, Cause you know, that, that's, that's a big part of his life is, you know, getting to work with kids and, you know, bringing the best baseball players from around the country, um, you know, just to play together yeah. and coach Kenny, uh, you know, I think this happened over the summer Um, when the coaching change had happened. I'd kind of talked to coach or coach Kenny had reached out to me and I kind of responded to him late at night. I think it was like 1230 in the morning. Um, I was driving back for my summer ball games and he responded with like, you know, I don't answer much at night, but you'd be the only person, you know, I would respond to. So it's it's cool. It's cool. um, You know, these guys, even though I'm not playing for them and I only played, you know, a handful of games with them, you know, they really do care about me um and I know that if I ever needed you know any help in any sort of way that these guys would be there to support me
0: yeah so you mentioned you mentioned driving home from your summer ball your collegiate summer ball game uh take us through what that experience was like for you um just playing in the Northwoods League um not not too in depth but it's kind of just like what the day-to-day was like um who were some of the guys you bonded with the most and just what was that overall experience
1: yeah I I absolutely love summer ball um a lot of people kind of kind of bag the Northwoods because of the amount of games you play um, and just kind of the, the travel schedule. But, you know, the group of guys that I was with um, were awesome. And I mean, I was living at home. I was 40 minutes from the field. Our stadium was beautiful. We we're right on Lake Michigan. Um, and that's just summer ball for me was a place where I could kind of just relax and kind of just play my own game and not have to worry about, you know, the pressure performing and kind of just, you know, kind of focus on just having fun with the game and developing, you know, the stuff that you know you need to work on. And so that was probably the biggest thing for me was, you know, just playing relaxed and without any pressure.
0: Yeah. So you were obviously in that Wisconsin area for your collegiate summer ball, but your senior year of high school, you actually didn't play for your your actual high school, correct? You played for the what was yeah. it? The hitters I have it somewhere like the hitters yep. spring league or something. Yep. So um, what, hitters, what exactly is that? Because I didn't—I guess I didn't realize that you—you you didn't have to play for. I know in Indiana there's like some rule that our state has that where you—you you have to play for your high school, like you can't be playing for someone else. There's or something odd like that. So take us through what exactly the hitter spring league is.
1: Yeah. So high school and baseball in Wisconsin isn't a huge thing. <coughs> so for me, the reason behind playing for hitters was being surrounded by, you know. Great players, um, one of my best buddies through high school, Noah Miller, who got picked 30th overall on the draft, um, was on the team with me. Um, Ian Moeller, um, who, who was a fifth round pick for the Twins. Um, yeah, just kind of putting myself in a position where I was playing with some of the best players in the country and you know, just getting exposure.
0: Yeah, so I want to dig into it. I just got a couple more questions here for you. Just in kind of, I call it like your personal scouting report. Um, So let's dig into your hitting approach a little bit. Like, what's going through your mind as you're walking up to the plate? Maybe what's through your mind when you're in the um, on-deck circle as well?
1: Yeah, I think for me, this is kind of still something I'm working through. um, Is separating, you know, the hitting side of things from the swinging side of things. You know, I get really in-depth and interested in in my own swing and, you know, everybody else's swing. And sometimes, you know, I I, I can think about that too much and worry less about the hitting. And so I think I need to do a better job at refining my approach in the box and just putting myself in the best position, you know, to square a ball apart or put a ball on play that my team needs me to um, and just score runs.
0: Yeah. So if you were to go through your swing, maybe just like the mechanics of your swing, could you kind of go through that just a little bit for us?
1: Yeah, I think uh, this is kind of right up my alley. Um, I, I like to think of my swing as in, you know, three or four sequences. So for me, Um, One thing that's kind of been unique about my swing in the past couple of years is I kind of, you know, have like a little like leg set, like a leg load. So my feet will be kind of spread out. Um, I'm trying to push the ground apart with my feet. So I'm trying to spread my knees out and push, literally rip the ground apart in between me and come set, bow my knees. Um, And I'm trying to put as much ground or or I'm trying to put as much force in the ground as I can with my lead leg um, just to kind of get my hips to sink into the ground. Um, and then through that, that just flows up to the hips then to the torso, torso stretches and coils, and then just kind of to the shoulders and hands. Okay. For me, the biggest thing is letting my lower half do most of the work. Cause when I try and, you know, when I try and gear up for a fastball and I try and hit a pitch too hard, that's when most of the tension goes into my wrists and my, and my shoulders, my forearms. And I start getting real static with my barrel instead of kind of just letting it flow.
0: So when did did you get so mechanical with your swing? Because, I mean, like you said, that's right up your alley. I mean, you described it perfectly. So when did you kind of start looking at different swings that way? And, like, just, I guess, when did that whole thing, when did your whole mindset change on that?
1: I think it's always kind of been a passion of mine, something I follow really closely. But one of my coaches, uh, my hitting coaches my sophomore year, still my hitting coach today, um, kind of just totally changed my perspective and how people teach the swing and how people kind of look at the swing. Um, and he had a long history and long drive. Um, so he kind of knew the sequencing of, you know, how to create barrel speed, um, how, to, how to mess with all these different metrics and how to make these adjustments to put yourself in a, a, the best position that you can.
0: So having that same hitting coach since your sophomore year, I'm going to go ahead and assume he's one of the most influential guys that you've had in your baseball career so far. But if you could go ahead and pick three, four, I mean, Helen, if you want to pick five guys, who have been probably the most influential in your baseball career so far?
1: Um, I would say probably not in order, but just just spitting out names. Uh, Sean Smith, who, who is an uh, owner at Sticks Academy in Wisconsin, who, who was the travel team that I had played for growing up. Tell Taylor, who was my hitting coach. Um, Joe Farrell, who's another hitting coach that I had that I kind of keep close with. Um, he's just really a huge help for me on the mental side of things with baseball. Um, Brewster's up there. Kenny's up there. Uh, trying to think who else. Yeah, and I think just some of the the older, like, pro guys that I know that I've been able to hang out with since I was super young, um, like Gavin Lux, A.J. Vukovic, Owen Miller, all those guys. I think they really kind of – molded me into a more mature young player, um, and I think that has prepared me, um, you know, for college baseball, professional yeah. baseball.
0: Yeah, so Lux, for example, obviously with you kind of knowing him before he made his major league debut with the Dodgers, I mean, you obviously look at him different than most, like, let's say, outsiders would. But did your mind – not mindset, but did, like, just the way that you view Gavin, did that kind of change at all when he was drafted and then ended up making his debut a couple of years ago? Or did you kind of still think of him as the Gavin that's from Wisconsin?
1: No. Gavin's stayed the same since I've met him, you know, when he, he was in high school. I mean, he's a really, like, silly, goofy dude. Um, loves being around the guys. Loves, loves getting his work in. But, no, the, nothing really ever changed him. The money didn't really change him. Um, you know his role has gotten bigger and bigger with the Dodgers, and you know every season I come back it's it's, it's still the same gathering
0: yeah that's 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 great to hear um but yeah um so flipping it around to when you're actually behind the plate um as the catcher on defense, um kind of take us through kind of what your approach is like are you calling pitches at Notre Dame, or does Notre Dame have a system in place where maybe the pitching coach is kind of signaling you the pitches?
1: yeah, so the pitching coach calls the pitches um. And this year we switched to, like, an earpiece comp system. So that's a lot easier than having the wristbands. Um, but, yeah, he calls the pitches. I think the biggest thing um, for our, our five catchers on our team is, is trying to, you know, learn each guy individually as a pitcher, kind of what their stuff does and, you know, what their strengths are as a pitcher to kind of, to kind of understand the reasoning behind what coach is calling. Um, and you're not just sitting there, you know, aimlessly just just getting signs and throwing down signs. Um, but I think for me, a big thing is, you know, trying to trying to pick my coach's brain and the pitcher's brain on like, you know, why these things are being called. Um, you know, what a good time for this stuff is.
0: Yeah. So when you have the earpiece in, is he kind of just saying, "Hey, we want fastball away," or is there like certain yeah, signals much. that he that he like would give you?
1: Pretty much. I mean, we have like number systems set up. Um, but yeah, he just talks into a walkie-talkie and go straight to us
0: okay so when you say number signals like like different areas of the the strike zone or when you say number systems what exactly do you mean
1: yeah just you just calls out numbers and we know what I mean okay
0: so when going back to when you had the wristband on your wrist and he would call like a certain like a 47 or whatever it would be like how is that card set up I mean now since the season's over and you're not using that card kind of can you dig into that a little bit
1: yeah, I, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the number grid system last year. I had struggled with that, but it got better as it went on. But, yeah, they would basically just give out certain numbers, fall on the grid, and then there would be, um, you know, the pitch number. And, you know, like there was a system that every team has set up for locations. Um, and it was tricky because we had one for offense and we had one for defense. And the offensive one went zero through five. And the defense no, yeah the offensive one went zero through five and the defensive one went one through five, so sometimes when you thought you were looking at the zero column you were looking at yeah. the one column, on the different sheets so that 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 got confusing but I'm I'm sure it got better as it went I'm sure
0: um so is that that's normal for college right like for the the pitching coach to be calling the the call uh, the pitches,
1: yeah yeah I think I think for the most part, every, every team does it that way. Okay.
0: Yeah. I wasn't sure. Cause I mean, I know in travel ball, when like players are playing for the sticks, USA prime or some, just some of those top tier programs, like they let the catchers mm-hmm. call the, call the pitches. So I just wasn't a hundred percent sure. Yeah. Um, but just yep. one last, one last question here before we end it off, um, I do like to ask just one, this certain question for all my college guys I get on the show. And that is with name, image and likeness, now a thing that you guys can capitalize on, what would be one dream brand that you would love to work with?
1: Ooh, I don't know. I feel like Bass Pro or something would kind of be cool. Okay, you know, my buddies like to fish a lot, so I feel like I feel like getting hooked up with uh, like some free free gear that would, that would be sick.
0: Yeah. So let's say yeah, if, you yeah. to, if you were to get that Bass Pro uh, endorsement deal. Like what? What would you want it to be? Maybe like what? Like a free boat, or free fishing gear. Like what exactly? Like what? Would, what would be your dream when it comes to that?
1: Boat would be nice. Yeah, boat would be really nice. But I think because we uh, we we lose a lot of spinners and a lot of a lot of hard baits um, when we go fishing. So I think just like having you know an abundance of bait would be nice. Yeah,
0: they would. I mean, it would be pretty cool to see some. I mean, obviously, baseball players are they kind of. The type of guys who use Bass Pro Shop, more unlike, I mean, a lot of other sports. So I mean, it'd be pretty cool to see in this in the future maybe some. Obviously, that's kind of always like a big thing for me, just becoming an agent here these next couple of years. Like that stuff's all the NIL stuff's like just really interested in me when it comes yeah. to helping helping athletes out or even just seeing different athletes uh, just do some creative deals. Um, so I mean that that'd be something cool to see definitely in the future. But uh, Joey, really appreciate you coming on the show. That's all the questions I got for you. I um, want to wish you the best awesome. of luck here. As I mean, you mentioned you have five catchers on the roster. So however the rest of this fall ball, however, the spring works out for you. I uh, just want to wish you the best of luck there. Best of luck here as you potentially start your pro ball career in a couple of years. Um, I'll definitely be following you. Heck mate, like I said, I live 25 minutes away from that Notre Dame camp. Yeah.
1: you'll I'm
0: sure. I'm sure next spring I'll, I'll, I'll show up to a game, potentially get you some J podcast merch so you can wear it around to the yeah. college world series. And uh, get, get some awesome. guys talking about the podcast.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'd love to wrap it.
0: Awesome. All right, man. Appreciate it. And you have a great night. Thank you, too. And that's going to do it here for another episode of the JKR podcast and another weekend of the JKR podcast three weeks into this Arkansas Stick series we've had going on. A bunch of weeks more coming up here in the near future. Just really want to thank all three guests for coming on the show today. I thought all three of them did a great job. It with some great content for you guys to listen to. So just going to say thank you Joey, thanks Troy, and thank you Drake. Um, some great guests. But I uh, really want to thank Coach Brewster as well. Obviously, I mean like I've talked about these past couple weeks, I mean he's kind of the reason this is all going on. He's doing a great job there with the Arkansas Sticks. So I'm just really excited to be partnered with him. Um, so just really want to give him a shout out just do just a little congratulations to him for all the great stuff he's doing for that sticks program and all the lives he's changing as their coach but some even more episodes next week part of this arkansas stick series we got going on uh not all of them are finalized completely yet um so that'll have to be announced through our social media so if you want to get more updates on that check out our social media check out our website social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast. That's going to be on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. So check those out. Give it a follow. You know, give me a couple likes, you know, here and there. But um also check out our website. That's going to be ww. JKRPodcast.com. There you're gonna. There you're gonna be able to listen to listen to episodes if you really want to, uh, kind of get a background of where who I am and what the reasoning for starting this podcast has been, and just kind of some of the past things that we've we've had going on. So uh, check both those out, and I just really appreciate all the support you guys have had uh, been so far. Um, so give us a follow, hit the subscribe button on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and I'll make sure to catch you guys next week for the new episodes.